0: We now take you into a service already in progress where Pastor Ashish exhorts the congregation and leads them in making the declaration. And right after this is a life-changing message for you. All right, morning everyone. Thank you for being here to worship below with us this morning. We'd like to take a moment to welcome anybody. Worship it. All people said for the very first time, we'd just like to request you to please stand so we can acknowledge your presence this morning. Let's give them a good hand. Thank you for being here with us. Welcome. Welcome, thank you. If you can just remain standing, our ushers will come and give you a contact information card. As soon as you receive that card, you're welcome to be seated. Please relax and enjoy the service this morning. Always mention if you're already attending a church in our city, where God's words being taught, then we encourage you to remain faithful there. But if you're looking for a home church, you're most welcome to come back and worship with us and uh, receive from the Lord in this place. I want to share a couple of testimonies that came in this week. There's a testimony here from a young man. He says, uh, just wanted to share a testimony on the miraculous way in which God has provided in our family. Uh, My sister and her family who live in Chennai have been undergoing financial hardship for a long period of time. Their business wound up nearly five years ago and uh, they were living hand to mouth. His sister was working as a construction supervisor and she was supporting the family of three children. But in August this year, even she had to leave the job and uh, things went from bad to worse in that family. So in September, in one of the morning services uh, at APC here, he came forward. You give an altar call for people who wanted miraculous breakthroughs. I came to the altar. I placed a petition to God to provide a financial breakthrough to my sister's family and fully believed it was done. So he wasn't praying for his own need. He was praying for his, you know, somebody else, his family in Chennai. The very next month, that was October, his brother-in-law, who had not had a job for 10 years, he went into a real estate business. Within four weeks, they got their first business deal. And yesterday, that is this past week, he received his first payment. He's one lakh. This is for him his 1st cell phone income in nearly 15 years. So we want to praise and glorify God as it is not only he breathes his life. Amen. Let's give God praise. Thank you, God. He not only breathes life into what was dead, in this case, it didn't make any sense to go on a real estate market under the present conditions. But God has a purpose and a plan beyond our logic. Amen. God's a good God. Here's another testimony that came from a young lady here. She says, I want to tell you that I've been blessed by your sermon. A couple of months ago, you preached about believers exercising our right, as said in Mark 16, 17, 18. At the end of the sermon, you asked all those who had a prayer request to come to the front foot of the stage. Uh, Then you ask those who are still in the places to come forward and exercise their right by praying for those who are at the stage. I did not budge. I didn't have the guts to pray for someone else, the manner of speaking. Later she went home and uh, she realized, she said, you know, if I couldn't pray for Christians in the church, then in all likelihood I'm not going to be doing anything outside the church. How can I fulfill the Great Commission praying for people outside? And uh, so she decided to start praying for herself. She had a persistent numbness in her toe a big toe on her left foot and she, you know, she just kept putting it off getting it checked and so she decided to pray exercise faith and healing for her toe and she writes today i keep reaching down to enjoy the feeling in my toe this is a very small miracle that has encouraged me to pray and receive in faith before the end of this year one of the things she wanted was a promotion and in her understanding she thought that you know she had to leave her present job and find another job if she was going to have some sort of a promotion but then she says, you know, I pray for God's direction for this. I pray over this and then she forgot all about it. And two weeks ago, she says, I got a letter of promotion from my own office. It finally hit home that our God is just waiting to give us what we ask. If we only believe that He will and that He is faithful to give even when we are forgetful. But above all else, last week when you asked us to pray for those around us, I was able to step up and pray for someone. Not just a prayer that says, you know, welcome to our, prayer, our church prayer. Uh, but to pray and give thanks that her miracle is around the corner. While all this may seem trivial, I'm thankful that being at APC has blessed me to walk closer with Jesus. Amen? I think that's what we should be doing as a church. It's really encouraging people to step up to be who God wants them to be. Amen? Let's stand up to our feet this morning as we make our declaration. I want you to hold your Bible in your hand. Just take your Bible up and let's just say this out loud together. This is God's Word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I can become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His Word. I believe His Word. I live by His Word. Christ is my Master. And to Him, I am an absolute surrender in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We've got two more Sundays to go that we're going to spend talking about the kingdom of God this Sunday and next Sunday. We're going to be talking about kingdom government this morning. And the next Sunday will be the last message in the series called uh, Kingdom Mandate. We kind of just sum up everything and say how we're going to live this out in our lives. And uh, there'll be a couple of things I have not touched. I haven't talked about kingdom culture. It's very important for us as a church to have kingdom culture. But it'll be in our publication. that will come out shortly. There's also the literal kingdom and Jesus sets up his actual literal physical kingdom in our world. That will also be in the publication which I haven't addressed here on our Sunday morning. This morning I want to talk about kingdom governments. God is king. He has a kingdom. So obviously he has to rule. He has to exercise his authority. And that is done through his government. His kingdom government. I want to talk about that this morning. In Psalm 22 and verse 28, the Bible says... The kingdom is the Lord's and He rules over the nations. The kingdom is the Lord's and He rules over the nations. God rules over the nations. Even in our world today, He is ruling over all the nations. In Psalm 103 verse 19, the Bible says, The Lord has established His throne in the heaven and His kingdom rules over all. His kingdom in our present fallen world rules. Over everything. So we are to recognize God's rule coming through in our world today. Wherever you are. Whatever place you have in life. His rule is coming through to you. Into your life. And what we must understand is that God has placed authority structures around us. And he has placed us in those authority structures. In our fallen world. And God's government comes to us through those authority structures in our lives. And that's what I want us to understand and take back with us this morning. You are in some way in one or more of these authority structures that God has set. And you may be in a position of authority in those authority structures through whom God's government is being released in our world, even in our fallen world today. Generally for mankind, here's how you see... Uh, God's authority structure lived out for mankind. The Bible says in First uh, Corinthians chapter eleven, verses three, eleven, and thirteen. He says, "I want you to know the head of every man is Christ, the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God." Then verse eleven he says, "Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman, nor woman independent of man in the Lord. For as woman came from man." Even so, man also came through women, but all things are from God. It's interesting because in verse 3, he describes the authority structure. He says, the head of the woman is the man. The head of the man is Christ. The head of Christ is God. Now, you and I know that Christ is coequal with God, with the Father. There's no difference. He is co-equal. And yet, when it comes to the release of government, he says, the head of Christ is the Father. Christ submitted himself to the Father's will and carried that out in the air. In that same regard, in that same manner, the head of the woman is the man. The man is not superior to the woman. Because he says, verse 11 and 30 later on, he says, you know, the woman came out of the man just as the man came out of the woman. They're not superior. And they're dependent on each other in the Lord. We still depend on each other in the Lord. We're co-equal in God. Yet when it comes to God's government... The head of the woman is the man. Now understanding this government is so important because until and unless we learn to correctly relate to God's authority structure, we will not have the God's blessing flowing into our life. We look at it as look at scriptures that tell us this as we go along. We must learn to understand God's authority structure. Learn to understand God's government flowing through his authority structure. When you relate correctly in it and toward it then you position yourself to receiving the blessings that God intended through it. Are we all together so far? Amen. So, God has his authority structure for all of us. Even concerning the family, God has a certain structure of authority. A government through which he exercises his influence for the local church, for the body of Christ, for the workplace, and even for civil government. God has his authority structure. And in all these areas, we must learn to see the kingdom of God, God's rule coming through these authority structures that you and I are part of. Amen? Don't look at them as these are, man, these structures are things I must break free out of and must rebel against and, you know, tear it down. No, no, no. That's a wrong posture to have. We must learn to relate correctly to them because God intends to release His blessing through Those structures. Let's look at them one by one. For the family, he says in Ephesians 5, 22 and 23, he says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head. Here's the position of authority. The husband is the head of the wife. As also Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. So at home, he says, look, here's my authority structure. The head is the husband, wife, you walk in submission, to the head. And yet, we know that husbands being the head does not mean they are the tiny monarchs at home. Doesn't mean that. While they are the head, they also have a responsibility. First Peter 3 7 says, You know, husbands, you live with your wives with understanding. Give honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. So here, yeah, husbands, you've got a responsibility. God's put you in the top. In the house, in the authority, in the, pl- in the structure of authority at home, you are the head, no questions asked. But being the head, you also have a responsibility. He wants you to have understanding towards your wife. Give honor to your wife. I mean, you know, we usually give honor to those who are above us, but in God's kingdom, it works both ways. Those in authority learn to give honor to those below them. So he says, give honor to your wife. And uh, treat her as a weak vessel, because in the, at the end of the day, you're both co-heirs. You're co-equal. You are co-equal in the kingdom of God. You have equal access to every blessing. You have equal access to every right. You have equal, equal access to the word of God and the present equal access. But when it comes to God's government coming into the home, husband, you're in leadership. You're the heads. And then the parents, he's, uh, children, he says, Ephesians 6, 1 to 3, Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. So children, now, here's God's government for you. Honor your parents. Obey them. That's God's government coming into your life. Now, we all know it's a well-known fact, there will come a time when children will know more than their parents. Now they graduate to college and get all their degrees and you know, all of that, and they come to a place when they will know more than their parents, and that's Parents don't even know how to turn on the computer and watch Gmail. Kids are like way beyond. They're now on there, you know. And they just know a whole lot more than parents. But even in that situation, he says, honor your parents. Honor your parents. Full stop. You still give regard. Honor means to esteem very highly. To treat them with respect. To give them reverence. You honor them. Why? That's God's government coming into your house. And when you do this, you are not only saying I honor my parents, but what you're doing is you're receiving God's kingdom into your life. Amen? Sometimes you think, you know, okay, I'll just do it in church and, you know, I'll just relate properly to the church and I'll forget my parents. You know, after all, I can do it in church. No. God's government comes into your home through this authority structure that he has set in your home. Amen? God's government coming to us in the local church. He says in Acts 20, verses 28 to 30, he says, take heed to yourselves And uh, to all the flock among whom the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer. To shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come. And among you, not sparing the flock, also from among yourselves, men will rise, speaking perverse things. To draw away the disciples after themselves. Paul is speaking to the elders from Ephesians. And he says, you know, I want you to watch over your own life. Your elders, your leaders, I want you to watch over your own life. And watch over the people God has placed in the church. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer of their lives. I want you to watch them. Holy Spirit's made you an overseer. And these people, He has purchased with His own blood. So don't treat them lightly. You've got to be on guard. Do this for them. Because they've been bought with the blood of Jesus. And because all kinds of things can happen. What can happen? You know, he says, you, he uses the word savage fools, meaning people come to take a prey of God's people. Uh, people will come to, you know, there will be those who kind of bring in purpose. Like he says, talk. they will talk purpose things to try to draw people away from themselves. So what? You got to watch over the congregation. God has put you responsible for these people. That's God's government coming in to the local church. And in response, he says to the people in the church, Hebrews 13 Verse 17, he says, obey those who rule over you, meaning those who lead you. Obey them and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give accounts. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. So he says, people in the church, listen, I want you to treat them, those who are in leadership over you, Treat them with respect and be submissive because they are watching out for yourselves. This is God's government coming into the local church. But it does not mean that those who are in leadership can, you know, do whatever they want. Because being in that role or that place of leadership also is a responsibility. Peter writes in 1 Peter 5, 1 to 5, he's writing to the elders, so that those are the leaders, the pastors, the shepherds of God's people. And he says, elders... I exhort you. I'm also a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Jesus and a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. He says, I want you to shepherd the flock of God that's among you, serving as an overseer, as a leader, overseeing them. He says, not by compulsion, but do it willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but do it eagerly. With enthusiasm, with zeal. Not as being a lord over those entrusted to you. Don't be a big boss. Don't do the direct thing. I mean, you don't see yourself as a lord entrusted to you but be an example to the flock. That's what you're supposed to be. Be an example to the people of God. And when the chief shepherd will appear, then you will receive your crown of glory that does not fade away. Then he says in verse 5, Likewise, you younger people, he's talking to the youth, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to the older, the elders. But he continues, Yes, all of you be submissive one to another and be clothed with humility. For well, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So he's talking about God's authority structure. He says, you know, leaders, uh, you've got to lead very, with diligence. Don't be a boss in the church. Uh, lead them correctly. Guide them correctly. Don't do it for, the, for money's sake. Don't do it out of compulsion. Do it correctly. And then he says, younger people, you submit yourself to elders. But he also says something more. All of you be submitted to one another. All of us are called to walk in humility. Amen. I want to challenge all of us to do that. You know, let's just make it plain and simple. You know, for example, if you're an older person. You come to church. And of course, inside you, you, you expect the younger people to serve you. It's so, okay. Younger people, you know, please put the chairs out and all of that. That's fine. And the young people will do it very gladly. But he also says all of you submit. So I don't think it's anything wrong for an older person to put out the chair for a younger person. Something wrong. Is your way of saying, I honor those who are below me. I submit myself. I'm walking in humility. Amen? That's the Bible. All of you walk in humility towards one another. All of you be submitted to one another. Walk in humility is what he's saying. So, God's government in the local church. There's a pastor. He's responsible. There are people in spiritual authority. They're responsible. God's people are called to walk in submission and honor and reverence towards them. But yet those in leadership are not to abuse their positions of authority, and all of us are called to walk in humility towards one another. God's government comes in to the local church. For the body of Christ at large, and we're going beyond the scope of a local church, we're looking at the body of Christ, God has His government, even in the body of Christ. What does it say? First Corinthians 12:28, he says, "God has appointed those in the church. First, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. So he says, look, in the body of Christ, here is it. This is God's government, God's authority. There are apostles God has put. They are first. First, not because they are superior. First in order. First in time. First in rank of the government. Not first because they are superior than others but first in terms of God's government in the body of Christ then he says there are prophets there are teachers there are workers of miracles and gifts of healings and that those who do helps and administration that's God's government coming in the body of Christ amen and what does the Bible teaches us, teachers us, teach us the Bible teaches us to give honor as we'll be seeing later we must give honor to those who are in those positions Not because they are better than us. At the end of the day, we are all co-equal. We are all equal together in the body of Christ. But we give honor to them because of the government. Because of the structure that God has placed. Because through that structure comes God's government into our lives. And for those who are in these positions or in these structures of authority, it's not for them to be pompous and go around saying, I'm Apostle Jones and I'm Prophet Smith and whatever. It's not for that sake. In fact, that would be an abuse of that position. Why did God put them there? Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 tells us very clearly why God put these people there. He said, uh, He Himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Why did He put them there? So that these people carry responsibility, number one, to equip the saints for ministry. That means you, as a people of God, must receive the equipping you need to do the ministry of God. You know, in God's kingdom, you are the ministers. Amen? You are the ministers of God. Sometimes we think the pastor is the minister. The pastor is not the minister. He is the equipper. The ministers of God are you. You are the ministers of God. You are the reverence of God. You are the ones that are going to do the ministry. The ministry of the pastor, the teacher, the prophet, the apostle is to bring an equipping into the saints so they can do the work of the ministry. And for the edifying of the body of Christ. Meaning they want the body of Christ must be built up. Edified in the spirit, in numbers, in growth, in all dimensions. It must be built up. And that's the responsibility of those in the government offices of apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. They carry this responsibility. And it's not for them to abuse that position, but rather to fulfill it in in the lives of people. God's government also comes to us in the workplace. Many of you are in the workplace. You work for organizations where you have bosses over you. You have managers over you. You have people in authority over you. And you yourself might be somebody in authority with having people working for you, reporting to you. And therefore you are part of God's governmental structure that comes into the workplace. Listen to what Ephesians 6 verses 5 through 9 says. It says, bond servants, I'll just, you know, modernize it. It says, employees, be obedient to those who are your employers or bosses according to the flesh in the natural. With fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart, as to Christ. Not with eye service, meaning don't do it just to impress them on the outside. As men pleasers, but as Born servants of Christ, as an employee of Christ, do this. Doing the will of God from the hearts. With goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord. Whether he is a slave, whether he is an employee or free. Doing his own thing. And you masters, employers, lead people in authority, bosses. Do the same thing to them. Giving up threatening. Don't threaten them. Knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. So, this is God's government coming into the workplace. His employees, listen, now you've got bosses. He doesn't even categorize the bosses good boss, bad boss, medium boss. Nothing. You've got bosses, you've got people that you're working for. What must you do? Regardless of who they are, what they are, your responsibility is this. You work as an employee of Christ. And whatever you do, do it with your, all your heart, not just to please them, but do it as to the Lord. And if you will relate like this to the structure, the authority structure in your workplace, what will happen? It says, Christ, God himself, will bring the blessing into your life. Amen? So he says, look, don't worry. But you say, but what about a bad boss? He doesn't say anything about a bad boss or a good boss. Or Don't worry about who it is. He is your boss in the workplace. You do the best you can. And do it, ask to the Lord. And when you rightly relate to your authority structure, he says, what will happen? It opens the door for God's blessing to come in. It's so important to understand, God's government comes into our lives through the authority structure that we encounter in everyday life. And for those who are in authority, he says, masters, meaning your employers, you're, you're in authority, he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to treat people, don't threaten them, I'll treat them right. Why? Because you've got your own master. You've got, at the end of the day, you're also reporting to somebody above you you got your own master up there. Don't have any partiality among people. Lastly, about civil government. We are living under two governments. We are part of the kingdom of God. We come directly under the government of God. But we are also in, in the world, in a nation that has a government, in a state that has a government. And so there is civil government. And you and I must learn to correctly relate to civil government. There's a story, record of this incident in Matthew 22, verses 50 to 22. Where the Pharisees, they wanted to, you know, get Jesus to say something that was wrong. So they could, you know, then trap him. So they come to Jesus and say, Jesus, you know, we know that you are a true man. We know that you would not say anything wrong. We know also that you're not afraid of anybody. You're not afraid of any man. So we have a question for you. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar? You know, it's a trick question. Because if Jesus said, yes... Then say, you're a false Jew. How could you support the Roman government? If he said, no, then they will say, here's a man who's telling us to revolt against the Roman government. Let's hand him off to the Roman soldiers easily. A trick question. Either way, he's going to get trapped. So Jesus says, okay, bring me a coin. So they bring him a coin. He says, whose image do you see on it? He say, they say, we see Caesar's. And he makes this amazing statement that you and I are so familiar with. He says, give to Caesar's. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. You give to God what belongs to. Very simple. This stuff has the image of Caesar. Give it to him. Pay your taxes. You're made in the image of God. You belong to God. Give to God your own self. The main point he's getting across is this. That we must honor and respect even civil government. Pay your taxes. Do whatever the nation, the government requires you to do. Paul explains this to us in Romans 13. Verses 1 through 7, he says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Now, that's something for us to take in. He says, listen, the government that you're under is appointed by God. We must look at our government's, whether it's our state government, whether it's our central government, look at the people, look at our government and saying, God, they are appointed by you. you say, but what if they're abusive? What if they waste money? What if they do all kinds of wrong things? What if they make wrong decisions? That is not your responsibility. In one sense, we'll talk about a little later, where we are responsible. Our first responsibility is to see the government as appointed by God. God, in His own way, is able to... Work through the government. He's able to release his influence in and through our government. Verse 2, he says, Therefore, whoever resists the authority, resists the ordinance of God. So if you're fighting against the government, he says, you're fighting against God. And those who resist will bring judgment on on themselves. For rulers, those who are in authority, are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister. Notice what he's calling government. He's calling them as God's minister. To you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister. And avenge and execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render therefore to to all their due taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. At the end of the day, he says, Listen, there is an authority structure called the government. He calls them as ministers of God. Civil servants, civil people in civil government. He calls them as ministers of God. He says, the right way to relate to them is to give respect and give honor to those who are in governments. So but I don't like them. They're not from my party. I didn't vote for them. None of that. You give honor to those who are in authority. When you rightly relate to them, you pay taxes, you give honor, you you give respect, you submit yourself to whatever rule and law. He says, when you rightly do that, you're receiving God's government into your own life. God will honor you. God will take care of you. Amen? Now, you and I understand, we're living under two governments. There may be situations, and probably there will be situations, when the government of man contradicts the government of God. There will be situations like that. In those cases, you have full freedom to violate the government of man and submit to the government of God. Acts the fourth chapter is an example where the government of man, the Sanhedrin and others, they called Peter and John and they said, we command you... But the authority they have, obviously, not to preach and teach in the name of Jesus. So that was the government of man. But Peter responds, Acts 4.19, you tell us, what is more right? Whether we should obey God or whether we should obey man. So in a situation like that, Acts 4.19, he says, listen, our obligation is to follow the government of God. His government says, go preach the gospel in every creature, to everyone. He's commissioned us to do this. So in situations like this, we submit ourselves to the government of God. We have the freedom to violate the government of man. But in all other cases, we are to submit ourselves to the government that's in place, a civil government in place. Now, I want us to understand something, that the kingdom of God is very different from the governments of this world. Because immediately one of us will ask, you know, what form of government is right? Is democracy the right kind of government? Is, you know, any other form, you know, is is a monarchy, is that the right kind of government? You know, if we have monarchy, I'll follow because, you know, that's a king. The Bible talks about kings. We have a book called Kings, you know. But we don't have anything like democracy in the Bible. Why should I follow democracy? we, We can argue about the different systems, different forms of government. But you and I must understand, first of all, that the kingdom of God is totally different. The kingdom of God is theocracy. Meaning, God says... It's done. Nobody asks any questions. We in our democratic mindset want to bring democracy into the kingdom of God and say, God, can we vote on what you said? Sorry. This is theocracy in God's kingdom. He says we follow. And nobody votes on it. Amen? So the kingdom of God is slightly different. In our world, regardless of the form of government we have, whether whatever it's democracy or uh, whatever form of government we have, I want us to understand a few things. The first is this, that God is able to work in and in spite of who is in authority. He's able to do it. That's why He's God. He's able to do it. Regardless of who is in authority, God's able to get His purposes accomplished. We'll talk a few, just aside, a few examples on that. And secondly, that we as a people in that nation, under that government... We have a responsibility to whatever extent our rights allow or permit us to vote or to pray in the right people who are into authority. That's our responsibility. Every nation receives the government it deserves. So what we have today is what we deserve. Either we prayed for it or didn't pray for it. We voted for it or we didn't vote for it. We got what we deserve. We have the fruit of our own efforts. So we as a people must... Invest time, effort, prayer, and whatever rights we have in our nation to make sure that we bring in the right people. The Bible does tell us this that in Proverbs 29, verse 2, that when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. So we have a responsibility to bring the right people into our government. But regardless of who is in government, God is able to bring his influence through. Jesus stood before Pilate in John 19, verses 10 and 11. And Pilate said this to Jesus, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? Pilate says, Hey, Jesus, listen, I am in charge here. I can get you crucified. I can get you released. How did Jesus respond to that? He says in verse 11, You could have no power at all against me, Unless it had been given you from above. Pilate, one thing I can I recognize. You are where you are. Because God above has allowed that. And I respect it. I respect it. Jesus was not saying, hey, you, you know. He wasn't speaking anything demeaning to Pilate. He said, you know, Pilate, where you are is because God has allowed it. And then he said, you know, Pilate regardless of what decision... I mean, in so much words, and I'm, not, I'm just kind of paraphrasing what Jesus went on to say. He says, Pilate, regardless of what decision you make, you will not be held responsible because the greater sin is with those who delivered me into this. The Pharisees, the high priest. They are the ones who delivered me into this. They have the greatest sin. And Pilate, it just so happened that you are in this place and you have to make a decision. Regardless of what decision you make, you will not be responsible for it. The greater sin is with those who put me in here. Jesus stood before Pilate with respect. Knowing and saying and acknowledging He's there because God allowed it. Amen? I believe that we must learn to look at our government in the same manner. We look at them and say, you know, God has allowed this. Let's pray. Let's pray for those in authority. Let's pray for those who are in leadership in our civil government pray for them and when we have the time and the chance let's pray for righteous people in let's use our rights to bring the right people in and one of your rights is like Anant is doing study to be a civil servant amen that's your right go do it instead of just grumbling, why don't we have some believers in governments who can then pray and hear from god and see his purpose is done a few more verses and i'll close you know Proverbs 21, verse 1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. The king's heart, the heart of the ruler, the heart of the governor, the heart of the person in authority, is in the hand of God. Regardless of who he is, doesn't matter. God can influence him. I mean, just look at the Bible. Look at Pharaoh. He you know, says his heart was so hardened, but it's okay. God just demonstrated more and more miracles. Until his people were so absolutely concerned. uh, Convinced that they must follow this God. Who is doing all these amazing miracles. And when God said tonight you pack and leave. They didn't ask any questions. They packed and left. So God even turned that around for his advantage. Think about Nehemiah. He was in in, in the palace of a Persian king. And when the time came. That Nehemiah wanted to go back and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. This unsaved king said Nehemiah. I will give you paid vacation. I will give you letters for you to have the materials you need to build the walls. I will send you an escort to take you to ensure your safety as you go from Babylon, as you go from here back to Jerusalem. This was a heathen king who said, I'll do all this for you. Go do what's in your heart. Think about Cyrus, King Cyrus. He was not saved. He knew nothing about the Bible. But when it was something stirred up in his heart and he said, I'm issuing a decree. All Jewish people, you go back to Jerusalem, rebuild your city. Go be happy. God can move through our government, regardless of who is in there. Amen? Now, take this and apply it to every other authority structure that you and I face in life. Whether it's the family, your parents, whether it's the local church, whether it's the body of Christ, whether it's your workplace, apply the same principle. Regardless of who is there, regardless of what kind of people they are, If you will relate rightly to them, you will receive God's working in your life. Because God's able to do it. Our responsibility is to give honor to whom honor is due. Our responsibility is to recognize that God has allowed them to be in that place, in that position, in that rank for whatever reason. Just like Jesus standing before Pilate says, I know it because God's allowed this. But whatever decision you make, it's not your fault. Somebody else is responsible for this. He recognized, he acknowledged God there. God's government comes into our lives through the authority structures that you and I are part of. If we will relate rightly to it, we receive his kingdom coming into our lives. His government increases in us. Some of us might be in those positions of authority in God's structure. You might be, some of us are husbands. You're in that position of God's government. You say, a husband, what? You're part of God's government. In your home. Look at it that way. God's government, if God's government is going to increase in your home, you're a link in that chain. A very important link. It comes through you. If you fail, you can have serious consequences in your home. I mean just think about if our civil government fails, what happens to the state? What happens to the nation? Same thing in your home. If you, as the head of your home, fail in the responsibility, there'll be chaos in your home. Why? God's government's not able to come into your home. Husbands, in the workplace, in the local church, in the body of Christ. Some of you are in places of authority. You are in some place through whom God's government is coming through. Take it seriously. It's a responsibility. Because if you do well, the people under you will rejoice. If you do right, people under you will be blessed. They will want to follow the government of God. If you abuse it, people will suffer. Amen. Let's pray together. I would request you to please stand. I want us to take some time to pray right now. First, I want to pray about the authority structures that you are relating to on a daily basis. The authority structure in your home, in the local church, in the body of Christ, in the workplace, and in civil government. Would you say this morning, would you just pray and say, God, give me the right attitude towards the authority structures that you place around me. Let me begin to look at them not as some obstruction in my life, not as some system that I have to fight, but let me welcome it as your kingdom coming through those structures into my life. If I relate rightly to those authority structures, I am the one who's going to be blessed. Pray, maybe it's for your family, your parents, maybe for your workplace, your employers, maybe for your husbands, maybe for the local church, and the pastors and leaders who are overseeing and before the body of Christ. Whatever you feel impressed and you feel that there's an area of your life that you've not been rightly relating to God's government coming into your life through those structures, authority structures. I just like for you to pray for a moment and say, God, change my heart. Give me the right attitude towards people and authority over my life. Could we take a moment to pray for that, please? Father, this morning, we just humble our hearts before you. And this morning we've understood, God, that your government comes into our lives through structures that you've put in place in our homes, the workplace, in civil government, in the local church. Help us rightly relate to those who have authority over our lives. Some of us may be in positions of authority. The husbands, you're the head of your house, and through you the government of God comes in. Husbands, we must rise up. And be the heads of our home. God's government. Maybe in the workplace, you're in a position of authority. You have people under you. Maybe in the local church, you have people under you. Maybe in civil government, maybe some of us could be involved there. and You have people under you. See yourself as God's minister. In the workplace, in the home, in church, in civil government. Through you, His government must come to those below you, under you. You're in that place not because you're superior but because you have a responsibility toward God and towards those under you. I want to call all the husbands to please come forward. All husbands, could could you just come up forward right here? Our families would be so much better if husbands realized that God's government comes into their homes through them. As you come up here, I just want you to make one prayer in your hearts, saying, God, I realize I'm part of your kingdom government coming into my home. You may be a family of two. You may be a family of five. You may be Having an extended family doesn't matter how many people are in your home. Could you please this morning just pray a prayer of consecration before God. As a husband. Saying God, I'm your instrument in my home. You said the head of the woman is the man. The head of wife, the head of the wife is the husband. You're standing here as a husband. God's government comes into your home through your life. Would you stand up this morning and say, I will be the head. I will take responsibility. But for what happens in my jurisdiction, your home is your jurisdiction. It's under your authority. You are the head. You are the gatekeeper. Through you, either God's government will come in or it will not. Could you please pray and say, God, I welcome your kingdom through me into my home. Your kingdom is righteousness, peace and joy. Let it flow through me. Into my home, which is my jurisdiction. Cry out to God for the wisdom you need. To guide your home correctly. To be the head of your home rightly. Cry out to God for the grace you need. And say, God, I want your kingdom in my home. I want righteousness, peace and joy in my home. I want your blessing in my home. It will come through me, God. I'm part of this link of your government in my home. Can you just sincerely cry out? Maybe today things will be out of order in your jurisdiction. Things may be chaotic. Riots may be happening. But if you will cry out to God somehow, through you, his wisdom will come, his grace will come. And you say, God, I invite your kingdom into my jurisdiction. I invite your kingdom into my home. Thy kingdom come, Lord. Thy kingdom come into my home. Father, we just pray over the husbands in the house, all everybody else in the back. Just back up. Pray for these husbands. Pray for these people. They are part of God's government to their home. Father, we just pray for the husbands here, God. Wives of your husbands are not here. Just wherever they are, just pray for them. Oh God, we realize this morning that we are part of your government coming into our home. Our families, however small or however big they may be. We are a link in that chain. We are part of that structure that you put in place. For your government to come into our homes. And Lord, this morning we ask you for grace. We ask you for wisdom. To guide our homes correctly. To lead our homes correctly, God may we be God's ministers in our homes may we bring your kingdom in God may we usher your kingdom in may we be kings and priests unto our God in our home as kings bringing your government in as priests taking the needs and petitions to you release your wisdom on each one of us and God we pray you'll forgive us Lord God for where we have failed forgive us Lord that we have failed many times you've done wrong things but today we seek your mercy. We ask for your wisdom. And we cry out together as men. As husbands. Thy kingdom come Lord. And thy will be done. In each of our homes. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. In each of our homes. May righteousness. Peace and joy come. Into our homes. O God we pray. May our wives. O God. In each home, be blessed to have us as leaders. May our children be blessed to have us as their leaders. Holy Spirit, come. That's every home that's represented here. The head of these homes are inviting you in, Lord. The gatekeepers are inviting you in. We submit ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ over our lives. We give you thanks, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Let's give them a good hand as they make their way back to the seats. You may go back to your seats. God bless you. God, we just thank you. May your kingdom come, Lord, into every home, every home, every home. We thank you, God. I want to pray for the wives right now. Wives, would you just pray towards your husbands? Say, my husband is not a good man. doesn't matter. My husband is like this and like that. He's like that. doesn't matter. If you will rightly relate to your husband, you will still receive the blessing of the Lord. By us just standing where you are, would you just take a moment to pray and say, God, this morning change my heart towards my husband. Help me to respect and honor and reverence my husband, Lord God. Because that's what God's called you to do. Would you just pray? Take a moment to pray. A heart attitude towards your husband can change. And regardless of what kind of a person he may be, if you will rightly relate, God's government can come still. His blessing can come. Just pray for your husband. So, "Lord." This morning, I want to rightly relate towards my husband and respect him as the head of my life, head of my home. You change his heart. You change his life. You touch him. Pray for your touch over him. Because you're able to direct his heart. Just pray. Father, we just thank you. We invite your government into our lives. Through the authorities you have placed in us. We invite your government. Thank you. Before we close, we'd just like to give an opportunity to anyone who wants to receive Jesus into your life. Is anyone here, you've not received Christ into your life. You've not allowed Christ to come into your life. This very moment where a simple prayer, you can say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I want to be saved. You can just pray a simple prayer saying, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I want to be a new person. Help me to follow you, Jesus. Just pray that simple prayer the Lord Jesus will change your life forever. Let's close. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and lift up His countenance on you and give you His peace in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org Also visit our website www.apcwo.org additional resources thank you for listening and God bless you